Hello, everyone, and welcome to Frentimate, a podcast all about friendship. My name is Ricky. And I'm Sarah. And today we're here to talk to you about friendships across cultural backgrounds. It's a really big topic. It's a topic that, you know, that's basically the study of anthropology and ethnography, ethnology, something along those lines. I've heard it both ways. Yeah. Big fancy words, big fancy, like really interesting, super cool degrees that you can do. Um, when I was in business school eons ago, I had my degree was halfway between a business school class and anthropology. So we touched on different parameters of what is culture, how is culture formed, how do you study culture, but it was very intro to anthro. It was not like a deep dive. One of the projects we had to do for this course was taking something familiar and making it foreign to you. So basically studying a component of something in your everyday life as if you were looking at it for the first time, as if all of it were new to you. Whoa. And I already back then, and this has been in like 2012 or 2011, no, I think 2012, I decided to look into how do you, as a foreigner moving to Denmark, how do you make friends? How does friendships in Denmark differ from your experience going abroad? Because I had just myself been in Colombia on exchange. And in Colombia, every person, every stranger is a friend you haven't met yet. Hmm. People are so open and so kind and they talk to you. And literally my roommate went to the supermarket to buy something like a SIM card for his phone. And he came back with two invitations for family birthdays he was going to. What? Yeah, he was also a very talkative person, right? But I get zero invites every time I get go to the store. No one is inviting me anywhere. No, I think very emblem- emblematic of the difference between a Danish and a Colombian experience. And having lived in the U.S., I would say there are also differences in the way that we friend in the U.S. versus in Denmark. And I am sure that within groups in a society, there are also big differences. So I am not sure that the Southern experience is the way same as the Northern experience or the East Coast versus the West Coast or the Midwest in the U.S. or all the ethnic groups. I'm sure there are massive differences in the U.S., so I can only really speak to my own experience, but, but I'm hoping that you can you can help shed some light on that end. Yeah, happy to do it. Please. <laughs> so one of the things I remembered when from way back when is this country comparison tool that was developed by Geert Hofstede. Geert Hofstede was a Dutch social psychologist. He was born in 1928, and then he passed away a couple of years ago in 2020. Um, He was a professor emeritus of the Organizational Anthropology and International Management at Maastricht University in the Netherlands. And he is mostly known for his pioneering research and cross-cultural groups and organizations. Gerd Hofstede came up with these six dimensions that help us compare and contrast cultures, you know, to see where do they differ, where do they overlap, where are things sort of similar and it really helps understand and explain a lot of ways that why different cultures act or behave the way that they do. It is something that is available for everybody on hofstede-insights.com. We'll link to this tool in our link in link tree, the link in bio on, on our Instagram profile, which is 
frontimit.pod. And the six dimensions are as follows. Individualism, the fundamental issue here is the degree of interdependence in a society among the members of that society. So basically, it has to do with whether people's self-image is defined in terms of I or we. In individualist societies, people are supposed to look after themselves and then direct families only. Whereas in a collectivist society, people belong in a group and you take care of the group uh, and then the group takes care of you in exchange for loyalty. Hmm. So a classically collectivistic country would be a lot of Southeast Asian countries where it's very, you think about society before you think about yourself traditionally. Whereas on the other end of the line, we have all the cultures in the quote-unquote West, for example, the US and Denmark, where it's very much me or I before everybody else, before the collective, right? Mm -hmm. On this diameter, the US on a a score or like a degree from zero to 100, the US scores 91, whereas Denmark scores a 75. So we're both fairly individualistic countries. Now, is the goal Um, to have it be 100%? No, there is no right or wrong. There is no, like, it's not one is better than the other. It's just saying Americans are more individualistic and more individualist minded than Danes, or Danes are a little bit more collectivistically minded. Okay, so it's kind of like in this category percentage wise okay cool there's not like an ideal score to get at the end okay cool exactly and this is a really good point that you're bringing up there's no like uh there's nothing that's better not no one is better than the other it's just this is where you stand yeah so it's measuring what is not like saying like well you need to improve on this area kind of thing okay exactly Another one is power distance. And so for power distance, this deals with the fact that in all individuals aren't equal. Uh, so it expresses the attitude that a culture holds towards the inequalities among us. So it's defined as the extent to which the less powerful members of an institution or organization within a country expect and accept that power is distributed unequally. And here, Denmark scores 18 and the U.S. scores 40. So both are low. How is it? Mm, I'm having a hard time understanding, I guess, what that yes. means. So because I, I get like power distance, like distance from power or to power and accessibility. It's more to about that. how distance is spread, or how power is spread throughout society. So if you have a low score in the power distance, for example, Denmark is 18, which is quite low. We don't accept that power isn't distributed equally. Okay. In Denmark, the sense of everybody is the same. And we have something called Yendelon, which really is really strong for us. And it's don't think you're better than anybody else. And if somebody is acting like they're better than everybody else, we consider them arrogant and assholes. And we kind of like society kind of puts them down again. Like that's not really tolerated. Mm -hmm. And while the U.S. is a medium score of 40, uh, which I would attribute to the American dream of every. Yes, there is a difference. And we know that, Mm -hmm. but we don't accept it because we can all, you know, we're all uh, can chase our own happiness and we're all responsible for our own happiness. And we can all make the American dream and blah, blah, all of this. 
I think it's reflected in the relatively low score because it's a society where you expect to be able to move into power. Mm. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. However, the fact that there is, I mean, Americans are, you're scoring 40 where we where Danes score 18. So that even though they're both low, it's a rel- relatively, you know, it's twice as high in the US. Hmm. And I think this is one of the power distance and then really connected to the next one, which is masculinity. Um, and masculinity, uh, in masculinity, Danes score 16 and Americans score 62. So now we're really getting into, this is the category with the biggest difference. This is where we are talking about feminine or versus masculine values. Like a high score, like so highly masculine indicates a society will be driven by competitive competition, achievement, and success, with success being defined by the winner or the best in a field. This value system starts in school and it continues throughout organizational life. And in the US, you score 62 on this, where in Denmark, we score 16, indicating that we're more of a feminist society. And a feminist society is one where quality of life is a sign of successes. Standing out from the crowd is not admirable. The dominant value for us is caring for others and its quality of life. It's not about being better than your neighbor. It's about making sure that everybody feels good and has a good style, like life quality. And I'm curious. I'm just really fascinated. Like, I feel like that is interestingly named. Like, I wouldn't think that that's yeah, how it would really be. Yeah, it's not really up to... Um, this, this was invented in 2001, the names of these dimensions. Okay. Um, so masculinity, femininity, I think we should look at it in a sense of like traditional masculine and feminine sure. uh, roles, but it's not really, it doesn't have anything to do with gender. It has something to do with, you know, the mindset. And sure. I think yeah, that's the one, just to run through the other ones, we have uncertainty, avoidance, where we both score relatively low. Um, uncertainty avoidance is uh, the way that a society deals with the fact that the future can never be known. So should we try to control the future or just let it happen? Mm. And it's, you know, like uncertainty avoidance, if you have a high score, you need, you try to do everything that you can to predict the future because you don't really like the uncertainty. Okay. And so Denmark score in Denmark is rated at 23 because we don't need a lot of structure and predictability in our work life. So we do very well with plans changing overnight or things popping up. And I think this is also to do with we have a very strong social network. So if you lose your job, for example, mm-hmm. you get a lot of support from the government to get back on your feet. It doesn't mean you have to sell your apartment or your house and move. So people are relatively safe in making changes in their life okay. comparatively the u score us scores 46 which is also lower than average you know it does indicate a little bit more of the need for predicting the future and saving for the future for example mm. it's more of a future focus versus a here and now focus which brings us very neatly to the long-term orientation the long-term orientation is focusing very much on the absolute truth and being very normative Whereas, like, how do you link the past 
and the future, the present and the future in a society? Are you looking forwards or are you looking backwards? So, for example, a country like Denmark, we score pretty low on this because we like to maintain like time-honored traditions while viewing societal change with a little bit of suspicion. So we're more conservative, not in a sense of like trying to keep everything the way that it was, but making sure that we move to something better and not just forward for the sake of moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much like, where do we want to go? What is the best? Like thinking it's very, it's called very normative. Whereas if you score very high on this, you're very pragmatic and it's, let's try to thrift our way through this. Let's like go through it and then we'll figure it out along the way. I mean, it makes sense because I'm looking at it, but I'm hoping it also makes sense when you're listening to it. Yes, it it makes a lot of sense, too, just with um, knowing and hearing the different categories and seeing like how that can be measured. Like, I think I just I'm very fascinated in just like how all of this is measured. But also, it's interesting to see, like, as you're describing, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can totally see how a lot of these come into play just on a larger nationwide scale. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting with the long-term orientation, the U.S. is going quite low. It's 26%. That would tend to indicate that the U.S. is a normative society, really, you know, focusing on how should it be. And I mean, the U.S. was born out of trying to break away from a way that it was and making, you know, what is it you always say, God's country and making it the way that God, like, that the perfect country you're trying to make. Well, it's okay. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to save all my questions <laughs> for the end. Um, it's nice. a, yeah. I know it's a lot of theory to run through, but I just wanted to go through all six of them because I yeah. think these are really parameters that are good f- for giving us a framework for discussing friendships later on. Mm-hmm. And then the last one we have to go through is indulgence and Oh, I didn't know if I said long-term orientation, Danes score 35, so a little bit higher than Americans, but still quite low, meaning that we're also quite normative, a little bit more pragmatic, but still quite, we like to think about where we want to go. And then indulgence is the last one where we are scoring for Danes 70 and for Americans 68. So this is the parameter where we are the closest to being the same, only two percentage points apart. And indulgence is defined as the extent to which people try to control their desires and impulses based on the way that they were raised. Relatively weak, in quotes, weakly con- control is called indulgence and relatively strong control is called restraint. Cultures can therefore be described as indulgent or constraints. Basically, people that are high scorers in indulgence like both the US and Denmark exhibit a willingness to realize their impulses and desires with regard to enjoying life and having fun. So we care about the now. Okay. We typically also have a positive attitude and a tendency towards optimism is what they say here. And I would say, uh, knowing Danes, I'm going to want to challenge this one a little <laughs> bit. And they, it's really funny because if you're reading the description for Denmark and then the description for the United States, they're very different, even though the two numbers are like the scores are so close. Right. So I have a lot of 
questions for the methodology of this tool. And I know that there's a lot of criticism, but there's also a lot of support for it because it does provide a framework. How these are scored, I'm not so sure. And I'm not sure the scoring itself is super important, but I think the dimensions provide a really good framework for talking about friendships. Yeah, so bird's eye view. Let me see if I can summarize. Uh, so a lot of these categories kind of point to different countries kind of measures of values and these yeah. values kind of just kind of just give you just a measure of like what kind of is and what kind of uh, society societal values exist as a whole. So you might have some countries where due to their particular combination um, might skew through a particular lens than another. And yeah, I mean, there's spectrus, right? So it's not that there's a higher and a low in a sense of like a good and a bad. It's just you're either at one end of the spectrum or the, or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of like um, uh, somewhat like Myers-Briggs and how it's just like, all right, here are all these categories and we can get a ton of different combinations. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's more so just so you can understand the lens in which certain countries, not even like policies, but just like just the the litmus test of the country kind of looks like this kind of higher yeah. bird's eye view. Yeah. And I mean, it's it, it's really interesting because the so the Scandinavian countries, we tend to score very similarly. We have very similar cultures. And there are a lot of Scandinavians that were part of, you know, that emigrated to the U.S. and and so, of course, it's going to be part of that culture there. There's a lot of Europeans. Of course, there's a lot of spillover. There's been a lot of people coming from all over the world. So, of course, the U.S. is a very big melting pot with a lot of different things. But I think one of the things, if you ask any Dane, what is the biggest difference between a Danish person and an American person? Not in terms of politics or in terms of language, but sort of in how we engage with other people. This is the, the one thing is going to be, you know, that masculinity uh, where it's about is competition a driving force or is it make like raising everybody up the more collective approach that's a driving force. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would here would describe Americans as very braggy and very arrogant. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because it's uh, explaining because here, if you're constantly explaining what it is that you are good at that's considered as bragging and that's or boasting which is considered negative because you're trying to show other people that you're better than them and that's yeah. not good for the common good interesting um whereas in the u.s you have to constantly be showing look i'm good at this i'm good at this i'm good at this because that's how other people respect you mm. and that's how you interact with other people and I think that was something that was definitely one of those like, whoa, moments for me when I moved to the U.S. And it's also something that I've noticed, you know, I took some of it with me as well. And it's very useful when I've had to be applying for jobs. Right. Yeah. Because I put on my American white frat boy hat and I'm like, OK, how do I do this? I can do everything. I've never tried this. so I haven't failed at it. So I must be good at it. You know, that kind of mentality. Oh, but yeah. to, to a Dane who's never really lived abroad or just to most Danes in general, because of the way we are taught in our society, that's rude. 
So we kind of like, we step back from those Americans. That's so interesting. So when you, when you first kind of looked at this tool and kind of saw what it would be like for friendships, like, I guess, how, how did you use that to inform your approach? So, so the project I did, I don't know. I don't remember which methodology I used. I don't remember if I used this one. I mean, it has been 12 years or so. I do remember that I was looking at Danes are very difficult to get to know. We come off, and this is generally for all Scandinavians, we come off as extremely reserved, Mm. generally speaking. And it is, if you move to Denmark, it's on you to make friends. Ah, okay. Friends are welcome. Sure. But it's also because once we call you a friend, it's a friend for life. Right. And then it doesn't matter that we don't see you or we don't talk to you often because once we decided you're friends, we're like friends for life, you know? Right. And so it's, I think it's more of a, yes, it's an individualistic society in a sense that we are very focused on the people just around us and our little core group. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we don't want other people in, but we're not actively looking for other people. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. And I know several people who feel the exact same way. It's just like, I've, I've, I've met everyone. I'm interested in meeting. I'm not looking for any more applications. And that's also really interesting to think about just even regionally, like in North America, like the South, there's like a phrase called Southern hospitality um, Mm -hmm. because it's like even in the North, in the North, like people are like, oh, you're super. I've been told I'm like very friendly. I'm just like, oh, I just said, hi, how's your day going? Like, yeah, people don't say that. Like, we're just just trying to get through and move and Mind it's just your like, own business and yes you know it's really interesting because i had a friend when i lived there who her her older sister and her mom they all went to new york and they were like oh my god new york is so rude and everybody there's so rude i went with my family the year after and we were all like everybody's super nice what are you talking about but i think it's because that whole like southern hospitality hospitality is very to some people very fake as well oh, really? because it's something you do it's something you've learned you don't care you ask how are you doing you don't care what how mm. what i say um you're not asking me how i'm doing you're just it's just a long reading oh man oh i because my dad started answering because he was like stop asking me if you don't want to know so every time we walk into the store and people are like hey how are you my dad would be like oh i'm having a horrible day all these poor people who are just going about their business doing what oh. that's what their culture does you know they're oh, like, man. they don't know how to respond to this. I, and my dad was having a good day. It's just because it's like, <laughs> don't ask me if you don't want to know. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, I am just so, I'm, I'm too, I'm too much of an empath because I'm just like, I would be like, what's wrong? What, what do you need? Can I, can I help? Yeah, some of them were. But uh, how often do you ask people, hey, how are you? Or how are you doing? Where you actually want to know the answer versus where it's just a reflex. I've man maybe okay i'm just gonna overshare um (laughs) i started intentionally doing a thing where basically if someone asked me about my day and i wasn't in a position to continue a conversation and it's just kind of passing by i just answer them and end it there 
but I don't ask them how they're doing unless I'm ready to ask them. And that's become my default. And that's so interesting because now I've noticed the other thing where it's like in like if, if I'm going to go get coffee uh, and this has been something that I've noticed and I hope I don't talk too long about this. But it's this thing where you 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 go to pay for something and someone gives you a compliment right before they give you the prompt to leave a tip. I was just like, is this am I being I feel like I might be being manipulated right now because I, oh, I think you're just one on one. Just like, you just give me a couple of so I could give you a tip. Like, I felt really good about myself. Yeah. And so it's, uh, yeah, no, I, so all that to say, I could very well be guilty of doing that more often than I probably am aware of. But I feel like I usually want to know. But that's also okay, so. I really want our listeners to see you right now. You're thinking so hard. I'm thinking very hard. <laughs> listen as Ricky is like not looking at me not making on eye contact just looking at the ceiling and you can tell you know the wheels are turning I am going through and trying to categorize every single conversation I've ever had it's priceless I know this is fun So are these all of the tenants that like make up a different culture or is it something else that goes into someone being of a different culture? I think they are not necessarily the tenants of what make a culture, but there are dimensions that every culture is somewhere on the scale of those. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit like is whether you're introverted or extroverted, is that your personality? No, not really. But it's part of what makes up your personality. Mm, okay. Or it's part of, it's not necessarily part of what makes up your personality either. It's part of how your personality comes through, how mm. it's expressed. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So this is super helpful. I am just, I'm, I'm glad that this data exists. It excites me. It's also uh, this whole little chart and the descriptions that I've been spouting here in the beginning. Well, of course, we'll post them online with our uh, episode so people can also have the visual to help them through the this episode because it is a lot of theory and it is quite heavy. But I just I think it's really interesting to see how similar, like how we trend the same way on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then except for this whole masculinity versus feminine femininity, which I think is causing. So this is the comp- competi- competition versus a living standard, basically. Sure. Yeah. Like um... that, that specter, are you, which is apparently called femininity versus masculinity, which as we discussed is an outdated terminology. So I'm just going to go ahead and update it and call it a competitive, you know, like competition or competitiveness. And it's not to say that we don't want to win because if I play a game, I play to win. Like it's not, I'm not saying it's not in that sense. It's more in the sense of, can I be happy for my coworker or the way I make sure that other people like me? Is that because I'm achieving all of these things Mm -hmm. or is it because I'm making sure everybody is, you know, feeling good and happy in a sense. Right. And it's interesting to look at this from, this from these categories because i i know something that 
my my wife has gone into research and um, as an educator, it's just yeah. um, different socio socioeconomic status values. And they in one study, and it's from a book that I can't even remember the name of. So I will horribly summarize it. But it's just yeah. talking about how just different economic classes will value different things on a different level. And so, yeah. and how that can affect school systems. So for example, mm -hmm. they would say that someone who would be categorized as someone in a low socio socioeconomic status would value relationships over achievement, right? Yeah. And so, and then someone who would be of a, um, a high uh, socioeconomic status would value achievement and access. And so based off of like a lot of these other things, like, indulgence and individualism and competitiveness and uncertainty avoidance, like that's going to motivate different kids in different areas, even when it comes yeah. to like classroom management and how like some kids will be motivated by achievement, but others would be more motivated by relationships. So you might have a kid mm -hmm. who feels like they aren't smart. Basically they're struggling in yeah. class because they, they feel like they don't get the material one kid will respond with trying to achieve or bridge that gap or to just not be seen when as another kid would just try to distance themselves from the material so that they don't feel rejected by their group. Um, yeah. and so one is worried about being an achieving individual versus someone who is trying to make sure that they are still socially accepted and not perceived exactly. as lower. And it's, it's, it's amazing how like these things are, true with a larger cultures and smaller cultures that kind of get created mm -hmm. even within all these other uh of course and then this also gets us into microcultures so of mm. course every culture has microcultures and in every family unit or group of friends or whatever you social unit you are in it's gonna may deviate drastically from what we've just gone through mm -hmm. but it's the sort of the larger group of the culture and what you would define as a Dan like Danish culture or American culture. Mm -hmm. So it's of course painting with such a wide brush that all the outliers are, you know, that's how it goes with an average. If you have outliers, they're kind of, you know, whisked away because they cancel each other out in one way or another. And, mm. and I mean, in a country like the U S where you have so many microcultures, like you're actively talking about black culture or, Asian American culture or Latin American, like Latino culture, they all of these are so different. And I can't say that these, the country comparison tool doesn't focus primarily on a majority culture or just the average. So canceling mm -hmm. out all the difference between differences between different ethnic groups or subcultures. But I do think it's really interesting as well that countries like Denmark and and the US that have so many things in common, especially yeah. if you compare to other countries, like we are really, you can add a lot more countries in there, but you know, Danish and American cultures are quite similar in a lot of cult like culturally similar in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. There's one factor where we really diverge and that one factor can cause so much disagreement or so many misunderstandings and so much judgment between people that could be friends. Mm. And I think that's what for me is really interesting is when you meet somebody new, maybe 
try to figure out what is what is their culture and what is their personality because if it's their culture that's a behavior that they can't really help because if you're that's how you're brought up so you're reacting before you even think about it like it's instinct whereas if it's a personality thing then i mean somebody could be a butthole and then you just don't want to be friends with them and that's not explained but sometimes they're doing that for example because that's how their culture teaches them to show what you know right. that they are worth something right <sighs> wow this is very cool thank you for bringing this I, I think it's really cool to just look at just different categories this helps me to better understand just culture in different terms uh, and I, and even though it is like geographic cultures, like to understand what culture looks like from a non-geographical standpoint, it's just like, okay, these are the tenets that we can just observe uh, that different people value at different levels, which I thought was really yeah. cool to see because it's exactly what you were talking about. It, it shows that you actually have way more commonality than what you would think. You just might value something slightly different than uh the other yeah but it's also i mean it's a good way for you to ask yourself a question right like if you meet somebody from a different culture and you're like okay so why why am i responding this way do i actually want this to be my value or am i doing this because this is how i was taught but i see them doing it a different way and maybe i like it better because it suits my personality better mm -hmm. oh when you mentioned the less competitiveness i was just like oh no wonder no wonder they just like just as uh, I I remember seeing a study that just like the Nordic countries are some of the happiest in the world based off of, like the World Happiness Index. And I'm like, well, that mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like y'all aren't just endlessly competing. No, no. So there is not. I mean, there, of course, we have competition and it's just displayed in different ways. But I actually on this specific topic about happiness, I um I read somewhere once that Danes are aggressively average like we really aim for average so if anything is exceeding average we are ecstatic we are happy we expect average mm. whereas in the u.s you expect to excel and statistically it's just you know 50 percent it's going to be around it's going to be better than average so mm -hmm. that makes a lot half of the population happy and the half of the population is not happy because they're not average yeah. but in the u.s if you're expecting to excel so if you're expecting to be in the top I don't know, five or 10%. Mm -hmm. That's 90 to 95% of the population that isn't going to meet the dream. Wow. Which is just staggering when you think about it. But I mean, I'm also, I'm really curious because when I went to the US, I went, you know, as a foreigner abroad. So everything was new to me and I was questioning everything and also assimilating hard. Like really just trying to fit in, make friends and everything. But that is about making something foreign familiar to myself. Mm. When you say making something foreign familiar with you, like how how did you notice yourself doing that? Because I'm interested to see like what that process is. Because I feel like that's a really great way to phrase like under, making a connection to something. You know, there's a lot of different theories for how you as an anthropologist would go and observe other people like if you are you can't just sit outside and observe because culture is lived and lived experience that is a shared experience with other people but then if you insert yourself into that 
are you then changing what's happening and like all of that stuff so that was a whole big methodological discussion that I'm sure I can find some research papers on of mine but I think it was something I was because I am also a very curious so basically it was one big study in how does American society work how do people work here hmm. okay yeah and how do I make sure I fit in and I don't feel like I had to change myself or anything but there are definitely things that I would do or say or ways I behave in the U.S. that I wouldn't at home or mm. vice versa okay wow everything that you just said reminded me of the amazing American movie Mean Girls which is all about just understanding culture dynamics and fitting in and making something foreign familiar. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah. I think with just meeting you, I think it was, you were someone new at school and, and you were close and I. Uh, physically close. We were on the same school bus. Yes. For yes. Our yeah. Ge ge geographically close. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was just something that I think was just like, Hey, cool. And I think, taking this to like a kind of different uh, example. I know that anytime I'm meeting someone else who is new, like today, mm -hmm. the my main bridge to connect with people is through media. So I was just like, Oh, like, do you like watching movies? Have you seen this movie? I remember I was working on set uh, and it was, we were somewhere else and we were in another country and it was just the crew who kind of were working together and knowing each other, but we didn't really know each other that well because we mm -mm. had never worked well together or not. I say work well, we had never worked together period. And yeah. so we were just kind of feeling each other out as like, I don't know who you are, like other like, and we're also likely not going to know each other outside of this, but I was wearing a Marvel t-shirt and one of the actors was like, oh, do you like Marvel? And instantly, because we had been like kind of sitting next to each other, not really talking. I was only talking mm -hmm. to like one of the other people who I knew. It's like, oh, do you like Marvel? I was like, yeah, do you? And then we just started, <laughs> it, instantly the friendship just started like from there. Because I'm like, yeah. okay, great. We have this shared commonality. Now mm -hmm. we can talk about these, this thing and share our opinions and that's like how uh i make the forward familiar for me is through media largely you know when we're talking about how you in one society can hold so many different cultures i mean we also have it here because we have a fairly large group of um, Muslim immigrants from most of them from Turkey and they then there's like subgroups within that segment as well but they definitely behave differently there's a different language or there's a different not that I mean we're all talking speaking Danish but there's a different way of expressing yourself or there's a different vernacular within certain like some groups than there is in like the mainstream or whatever and this whole like the code switching from when you're talking to one or the other group of friends, which to a small scale, I do that when I talk to my American friends versus when I talk to my Danish friends versus when I talk to my friends that have also been living abroad for several years. You know, there's just different mindsets that you kind of connect into like an old school phone operator, you know, 
And I was wondering yeah. if you experience that yourself in your everyday life. Oh, for sure. Uh, oh, I, I'll speak about this more recently, but like I, I physically noticed. So anytime uh, I had, whenever my child was like a baby, baby, I would make very extreme facial expressions. Uh, mm-hmm. And so to the point where I started taking pictures with people and I, for, I, I super scrunched up my face. Like I had just a super extreme smile. I was like, I think I forgot how to smile. Like, uh, just like, like a, a like a normal person. I was just like, it was like, oh man, that's that's really weird. Uh, but yes, I mean, there are so many different uh, old school telephone operator uh, code switching that happens. Other with like around like other people who like I have like inside jokes with like a lot of friends of mine who like we have a shared history through like a particular show or through particular experiences. And we'll just, just have a quote thon essentially just throughout. And like no one else will get it. It will make zero mm-hmm. sense to anyone else, but it just <laughs> makes sense to us. Yeah. And then I have also other friends who grew up in a black family um, who mm-hmm. I just like we will just bond and share different experiences. Even if we grew up like completely in different types of households, there are certain mm-hmm. experiences that we can relate on. And yeah. it, it's an interesting dynamic that, you know, gets continually bridged a lot through online. Like most of the social media accounts I follow are, uh, little microcultures from people it'll be like uh one of my favorite ones is movie set memes it's just all about like being on the film set and it's just mm-hmm. jokes about being on the film set and i love it um, <laughs> shout out yeah there, there are other ones about like people just growing up in the 90s um and certain like 90s american culture things that are just so mm-hmm. bizarre to explain now Th- those little moments of pop culture i think kind of create a sense of culture which is for me just certain experiences or moments that help to identify and bind people together Mm -hmm. and do you notice that you have friends that are mostly from the same cultural upbringing as yourself i thought i did i thought they were but i'm I am starting to notice more and more the differences Mm -hmm. just because uh, I think as a kid, I just assumed everyone was experiencing everything, how I was experiencing it. And Mm -hmm. then I'm finding out like, oh, I wait, what do you mean you don't do that? Like, uh, like I remember I told someone as a family, we didn't always eat together, like like a, a big family dinner and the, and the, like, it would be like, holidays or like every once in a while but like our family tradition was like we would we would gather together while food was being cooked and we would hang out and mingle and then we all kind of go to our own little corner and that's interesting yeah and so but we would do that but then uh i met someone else else who was like what do you mean? Like, how did you see each other? I'm like, well, we commuted. We saw a lot of each other. Um, and I think sometimes like as a kid, I remember we would, it would be a treat to be able to watch TV and while we were eating. And so sometimes that would be the treat. And then that kind of became the default, but yeah, but we still, I mean, we still shared meals. We would still eat together just kind of differently, especially in like, mm-hmm. as we got older 
and just different stages of life. But that even being a thing, like someone's like, I can't believe you did that. Like how, and from their perspective, like that was a major offense in our upbringing, apparently. They're like, I can't believe you were raised that way. It's really interesting because for me, for my family, this behavior would be almost like sacrilegious because it's oh yeah food is we come together for food mm-hmm. not for the cooking of it necessarily like it's whoever is hosting mm-hmm. typically but sharing a meal is has always been super important in my family and we've had dinner together every day except for i think it was like mondays when we had all our after school activities running in different directions or my parents were doing things mm-hmm. but i would say Minimum five days a week, we had dinner together. Wow. And Monday through Friday, we had breakfast at the same time, almost. Mm. And my mom was, I mean, we were fortunate enough that my mom was able to take us to school and then go to work. So we we had to be at school at eight, like a little bit before eight, because classes started eight. And then my mom's work started at 8.30 and she had a fairly short commute. So she could drop us off. And take that time to in the morning when I was little bitty, my mom would read us a story at the breakfast table. And then Aww. when we meet at night, like, yeah, super, like such a good tradition. And then at night when we came together for dinner, they would always ask us about our days and we would all check in with each other and sort of share that, you know, that was our moment. And then after dinner, we would all go off to do different things like homework or watch TV or mm-hmm. sometimes play a game. But typically, you know, that one thing where we all came together, that was dinner. When we sat down, even if it's just 20 minutes or 30 minutes, we sat down and that's when we had our like debrief of the day. Mm. Yeah. And it was different for us because we, uh, we commuted pretty far um, for mm. a lot of our childhood, like middle school, middle school through high school, we would spend two hours just in our car um like going (laughs) that's another thing in the in texas two hours is like around the corner for me two hours is like halfway across the country right um and so we would go so that would be part of it too like that that would be where we would have a lot of our debriefing of the day and a lot of our conversation and our talking and then by the time we got home we were just like all right let's see (laughs) so we would it's a be kind of a different kind of setup for us but we still we still connected in a, a different way. Uh, it just looked. Yeah, I mean, so again, I didn't mean to sound judgmental. Oh, no, I'm no, not, not judgmental all at all. Saying one no. thing is better. Good. It's just that I think this really symbolizes or showcases that not one thing isn't better than the other. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it, just how you're making sure that you do connect. Yes. And that you do bond is, I think, really important in, in family as well as in friendships. And it's just, it's really different. And today I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is Armchair Anonymous. So I was listening to Armchair Expert with Jane Fonda, um, where she comes on and talks to them. And she said, you know, there's a very distinct difference between male and female friendships in a binary gendered sense, because females, when we sit down with our friends, we sit across from our friends, we look them in the eyes. And even if we haven't met for a really long time, she said, like, even for a decade, I don't know if a decade would qualify, but even if it's been a really long time, we get straight to what's difficult in your life. Mm. What is going on? Do you need a shoulder to cry on? Do you need someone to help you navigate? We get real emotional real fast. Whereas boys and men, 
are taught that emotions is not a thing we share. It's again, typically, stereotypically speaking. And men, when you hang, typically, hang out with friends, you're doing things next to each other. Mm-hmm. Like you're not sit, you're not facing each other, you're facing the same direction. So that can be like playing golf or playing video games or driving somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, face-to-face and, versus side-by-side. Yes, and it's not that one is better than the other. They're just very different ways that our cultures, and in this sense, the Danish and American experience are very similar. Ways that our culture has conditioned us to behave within our gender roles. It's interesting because you reminded me, sometimes uh, I'll hang out with my friends and my mom, because uh, th- these would be friends that I've had for years, and she's like, Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, how are they doing? It's like, oh, doing good. It's like, um, so how's their spouse or how are their people in life? It's like, oh, I don't know. I didn't ask. She's like, yeah, it's, Ricky, it is, you know, you it's just... funny you say that with your mom, but it's a classic example of how my friends will ask their partners. So how is so-and-so doing? Uh, I mean, they were doing pretty well when we were hanging out. And it's like, yeah, okay. But you know, their mom passed away two weeks ago. Oh, really? Like, no, we didn't talk about that. And I'm like, how, how this is going to be the first thing. If anything has happened for you emotionally, that's the first thing you bring up yeah. with your girlfriends when you sit down and chat. And it's just, it's really funny to see that. And then it comes, I think it also brings up a really interesting point of like, is it gender or is it culture? Like which role and which and both of them is something is social constructs that are being we're being taught, but which is stronger for us. It is very interesting just like how how friendships are both made and can be unmade just by kind of defining what the culture is of it. Um, yeah. did, I'm so glad that those combination of words made sense um, <laughs> because it's like. Like, I feel like the way, like we've, we've talked several times about us friending the same way and that yeah. making us uh, good friends. And that yeah. sometimes if we have other people in our lives who don't friend the same way, that kind of makes it difficult to keep up the friendship, even though we still value the relationship. We're trying to figure out how to make the friendship work, even though they kind of have different Maybe friendship backgrounds, maybe the way that they friend, maybe the way they friended, they didn't friend at dinner every night or friend. I don't know. I I broke the analogy. I've seen it. I think that's part of why I think this country comparison tool is really important because it is or it is really useful because, yes, it is at a macro level, obviously, because we're talking countries and that carries a lot of issues. But I think there are also dimensions that would apply at a personal level and that sometimes having some really specific dimensions to sort of map personalities. I don't know if you've, you know, if anybody has ever worked in a team uh, in an office setting, you often have to do like personality tests and then you map them and see how do you collaborate and blah, blah. And that's a lot of fun. And it, I think it adds a lot, it can add a lot of value to a team. But I think it can also be really interesting in a friendship setting. So looking at it, one thing is, okay, what is, what is your background? How were you raised? What is your culture that you grew up in? And then how does that determine friending? But I think it's also really interesting to see, okay, do you, like, how do you handle conflict? Very different how people handle conflicts and can cause a lot of friction or avoidance in relationships, which 
is a topic for another episode, right? But there's also, I think, an element of some of these that could be really like, are you more individualistically minded or are you more collectivistically minded? That, of course, there's also room for how do you, like, we may grow up in the same culture, but still diverge on how we see this. And I think this provides a very useful tool just for understanding how we are comfortable and how we diverge if a friend is doing something that is bothering you or that you don't understand like I think this helps us break down where behaviors are coming from and just really throwing a hook back to the whole Danes are difficult to get to know like it takes a lot of effort yes but it's also we make friends through sports organizations or like after school activities but our sports are not associated with the school we don't go to, to soccer practice at school soccer practice is in a soccer club somewhere else where you have kids from all other schools and stuff. Oh. so mm. this is very different like sports are disassociated there's not a school team they're just clubs around and that's basically where you're going to meet most Danes is at whatever extracurricular activity or outside office hours activities that you find interesting. So if you come here, you really want to make friends. The gym is not ideal because you don't really talk to people. But if you sign up for handball or soccer or a basket or anything with a ball, basically, I guess, any team sort of thing, it will still take you a while, but that's the best shortcut into knowing people. You know, a, a big thing for us is we generally speaking do make a lot of food and eat together and going out to eat is pretty expensive so it's fairly common for us to invite people over to our house or homes for having dinner and in some like again coming back to Colombia that was not you don't invite people over for dinner unless you are like really close friends then you meet outside of the house so for me having people over is like oh that we do that all the time I host friends all the time or people that are on the route to becoming friends all the time but also just be mindful of the signals that so what I'm trying to say is to be maybe mindful of how your culture influences your friending. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for this and for giving me more friendship data. I love Yeet. it. Sorry for the monologuing today, but I was in professor mode, apparently. <laughs> no, I professor mode. Sarah is welcome anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but this has been really fun. And I think it's also been an episode that I'm hoping is going to leave a lot of little seeds for thought or food for thought for our, for all of you listeners. So please let us know what you think. Please let us know if you have experienced anything where in hindsight, perhaps you realize there were cultural differences that were causing this friction or that really, you know, something where you bonded with someone because you were two people of the same culture and you met abroad or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We're always happy to hear your stories. You can find us on Instagram at frantimate.pod and you can also write us an email at frantimate.pod at gmail.com. And you can also, um, and this is something, Sarah, I just set up, uh, on our link tree, uh, you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, leave us a voicemail if you want to like send us an audio message and ask us a question about friendship and maybe we'll talk about it here on the podcast. Yeah, please, if you do that, first of all, really cool. I'm excited about this new tech feature. So for if you don't know, Ricky is our tech guru. 
but also please let us know if we can play your recording in the like play your audio in the podcast because I think that would be really cool to do a little advice column from time to time yeah and let us know if you have topics you would like us to expand on more or explore more in this podcast because this is a lot of fun absolutely and Sarah it's like we say every single time on our podcast maybe open up your friendship passport and go visit some other cultures that is what we always say but I'm reacting to it like I've heard it for the first time because that was really good <laughs> it's, you know that's that's why you know you're a good actor oh. every time you hear it you hear it so often and it's always like it's the first time every time oh yeah <laughs>